just a, a year or two ago that I graduated, even though it's going on 20, good Lord. Um, I'm an old, old man. Ancient, I tell you. So, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a really good time. And, uh, man, I learned a lot through, through graduation and uh, into college. And one of, the, one of the biggest lessons, I guess, that I learned to connect it back to then um, in my early years was the lesson, which is the second greatest commandment. And that's the title of the sermon today. And it's not going to be real, not going to be super deep and theologically profound, but it is going to be challenging because so often we spend our time in church um, getting big. We want to have big ideas. We want to have big goals. We want to have um, a big building or we want to have big numbers or, you know, there's lots of pressure that way. And... And really, that's not what it's about. It's really not what it's about. It's really about getting small and remembering these really, really core principles. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher! Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. How many of you have heard that before? <laughs> a lot. How many of you have heard that like a hundred times, 150 times? Right. The two greatest commandments. There's a couple of things that I want to bring out, and I've been meditating on, on a phrase that we use in America. And, um, and I, I want to meditate on its importance and its bearing on our faith and the way we work out our faith. Um, this phrase is, I may have to love you, but I don't have to like you. I may have to love you, but I don't have to like you. And I've been meditating on this phrase, um, I don't know, for about three weeks now, just thinking about what it means to be a caring community. We're about to wrap up this year of, of the caring community, and next year we're going to move on. We've got these three values. Growing intimacy with God, a caring community for the county and the world, and going passionately. And so we've, last year, if you remember, we did the year of growing intimacy. We did uh, the Bible in 90 days, this shotgun approach. We had uh, two seminars. We had walked through the Old Testament. We had walked through the New Testament. We really focused on the Word of God. There is no better way to get to know God than to read what He says. Last year, this year, the, the year of caring community, we changed our service times so that we didn't have these two communities that were so spread apart. We all get to meet and mingle between the two services. We've, we started church potlucks. We just had the Love and Respect Marriage Conference. We're being intentional about community. And next year, we're going to be intentional about going passionately. But we're coming to the end of this year of caring community. 
And while we have done good work, I think that there is still more to do. So let's unpack this statement. I may have to love you, but I don't have to like you. There are people in our lives that are easy to love. My own children. We're working right now on uh, saying yes. You know, when mom tells you to do something, there is only one right answer, and it is yes, mama. And uh, ask me how that's going later. <laughs> so, so we're working on that. And I notice that, that my children run in this continuum of sometimes they are easier to love than they are other times. I notice that there are these concentric circles around my life where some people who are closest to me, who I am most like, they are easiest to love. And as the circles get further out, people get harder and harder to love. Now, going back to this statement, I may have to love you, but I don't have to like you. I don't have to like you. This statement is actually correct, but it's very dangerous. If we adopt this as a church... The weight, and even in the language, there's something, and just in the ways that you communicate, I see several very astute communicators in the audience here. Um, there is additive and negative language. And I would challenge you to take the word but, B-U-T, out of your interactions with people. I would challenge you to change it to and. Because here's what happens. I may have to love you, but I don't have to like you. Anything following that word but essentially negates the first part. It really does. Honey, I love you, but when those dishes aren't done, boy, that makes me mad. Well, the main focus of that sentence was when the dishes aren't done, boy, that makes me mad. Not, I love you. Additive negative language. The difference being, honey, I love you so much. And when those dishes aren't done, oh, man, it just gets my whole spirit ruffled inside. And trust me, I'm the one who doesn't do the dishes. I'm the one who leaves them uh, in the sink. So that's not a commentary on my particular wife. Just on the language. I may have to love you, but I don't have to like you. And the negation of I have to love you. The second great, greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. The second is like unto the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, my very good friend, who's very easy to love, Ruth Carroll, uh, is going to help me with some demonstrations here, because there's a really interesting thing about your neighbor. And when Jesus gives this example of my neighbor, the thing is, he doesn't go to proximity, he doesn't go to geography, he actually goes to opposites, and we're going to unpack this in just a second. This, you guys, in your mind, kind of running where I'm headed with this? The parable of the Good Samaritan, remember? I'm sure how many of you have heard that a hundred times. Okay, so you're all familiar with this. But let's really unpack this. So, we have, um, we have a couple of scenarios here. Hold on just a second. That may show you 
what it's like to love people that uh, it's ringing. What 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 it looks like to love people that maybe you uh, maybe are not easy to love. She'll pick up just a second. Hello. Hey, mom. How you doing? I'm doing fine, but how are you? I haven't heard from you in. I know. Let me think. I know. Um, it's yeah. five days and seven hours. I, I know. I, you know, I've been working a lot, Mom. It's been um, stuff at work's been kind of busy, and we've got a big project coming up. And so I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I love you, but I, I just have been really busy. So. Well, and you sound tired. I. Yes, Are I you am. Tired? I, I am tired. Um, like I said, stuff at work's been busy, and, and you know the kids and stuff have been keeping me up. But but we're good. We're good. Yeah, How are you? I, I'm fine, dear. But I'm I'm very concerned about you. Is your wife keeping you up too late at night? Are you guys going out and partying and leaving the children with a babysitter? Well, you, you know you have to do that every once in a while, Mom. It's the, the you just can't do it. The kids are hard, and uh, you need a break. You just do. I, I'm. And, yeah. and you know you know, son. I. I, I love you, but your wife really isn't good enough for you. Mom, you know, don't. I, don't she's, a, she's don't, a lovely. She's a lovely woman. Don't you start with this. She is fine, Mom. She has a tattoo. Yes, tattoos are bad. I understand that, Mom. But even though she has a tattoo, she loves me. She loves the kids. She's doing a great job. I. With Thanksgiving, what she said about your turkey, you have to understand, she she didn't have enough sleep. It, it, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, just, just remember one thing, dear. She will be your wife for maybe some period of time in your life, but I will always be your mother. <laughs> yes, mother. I got to go. I'll talk to you later. Oh, okay, dear. Don't Bye. make it another five days and bye. seven hours. I got to go, Ma. Bye, I got to go. Bye, dear. Okay, bye. <laughs> People that are hard to love. Hi. Um, yeah, what will I have today? Let's see. I had a coffee yesterday, and it was really good. Um, let's see. Do you guys have that special syrup that's made by that one company out of, out of uh, Massachusetts? I, it's really hard to find. You know, my sister went to this coffee shop, and some of us have a job. Okay, and, you can wait. And like a life, you can wait. And you can wait. Who made you executive director? You can wait of coffee. So, anyway, my sister went to this one coffee shop. She loved in Kansas City, and it was just great. Oh yes, yes. I would like a coffee. And, um, but I, I'd like a cinnamon latte, but don't put too much cinnamon, just a sprinkle, not a shake. And do you recognize it's just coffee? I'm ordering. Just are, a are shake. You, are you really? This is ordering? Yes, ma'am. How about. Please wait your turn. You know, while he's ordering, could maybe you just, you know, just make me a quick coffee? I'll just take it over here. That's <laughs> How many of you stood behind that guy in line? <laughs> right? Hard to love. How many of you have had a coworker that maybe looks like this? Hey, how you doing? Uh, pretty much okay. Yeah, Thanks. just seeing what's going on in here. 
I know. Just checking things out. I'm, I'm working. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm working too. Which is kind of what uh-huh. you ought to be doing too, I think. No, I'm. I'm I got a project going oh. in my office. Okay. Just, well, uh, you going anywhere for lunch today? No, I'm. I'm eating at my desk. I have a no. big project done or due in like an hour. Oh, you should get to work on that, shouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah. And and you know, um, what? Uh, do you mind if I borrow your stapler? Mine's kind of on the fritz. Stapler on the fritz? Yeah, well, that's it's on an the fritz. That's an interesting one. Yeah, it is. Um, it's technology it, sure. these yeah, days. Yeah, go, go. Yeah, Just okay. Stapler. And, okay. And, um, Good. You can, do you have staples for it? Um, no, there's staples. There's staples in it. That's I don't okay. have any extras. I don't. I. You don't have any. You know what? I'm kind of mad. Do you have the here, supply closet? Let, let me see closet. your drawers here. Do you have? Get you might out have of there. You dot r dot annoying dot me dot. <laughs> Coworkers, hard to love. Well, congregation, we're coming to a place in our year where it's time for a new series. And I believe that the Lord has given me a word that we are supposed to study the Psalms. So I would like to do an in-depth series on the Psalms, and that will begin this week. We are going to begin in Psalm 1 and, and work through all 150 Psalms, taking approximately six weeks for each Psalm. That should uh, conclude our series in Psalms sometime uh, in 2014. Ruth Carroll, everybody, give her a hand. <laughs> There are people in our lives that are on the outside. There are these circles. Remember these concentric circles that I talked about? So let's go to this story where Jesus says, Who should we love? If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But this man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. 
Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor who is not like you. It is so easy for us to love these people who are near us all the time. Sometimes the people who are nearest to us, the parents, can be the hardest to love. The people that are the most difficult. Well, guess what? Jesus identifies neighbor as a Samaritan. And you have all, I'm sure, heard this teaching at one point or other in your life. Samaritans hated the Jews because the Jews hated the Samaritans. They did not get along. They were different. They worshipped in different ways, at different places. They both claimed different ancestry, but they both claimed the right. They fought about this and that. The hatred was met with other hatred and built up this whole culture where Jews would travel almost a day's worth of walking, a day's worth of walking to avoid them. Who does Jesus, just having said the two commandments, love your neighbor as yourself, who does He say is the neighbor? The hated one. DCC, love your neighbor as yourself. It sounds so simple. And in one sense, it is. It's pretty straightforward. Love your neighbor as yourself. But it's not easy. Because we are called to love the people that are hard to love. You are called to love your mom. You are called to love your dad. You are called to love this annoying person in the coffee shop. Your coworker. Leadership in ministry that may not be doing what you want. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we've got this whole definition of who is my neighbor, and we have to love them. The final piece to this puzzle, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, is what does that love look like? What are we supposed to do? Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I say, love your neighbor, Dylan community. The neighbor being defined even as the people that you don't like the people that you don't understand, the people that are different from you. You need to love these kids no matter how low they wear their pants or how loud they play their music. We need to love people who don't speak the same language, who may not even be in this country legally. Love. What does that look like? 1 Corinthians 13. 4. Love is patient. Your neighbor, again, with the quotes, the person who is different from you, the person that maybe is not likable. I don't know if you remember the video that we played last week for Mother's Day. You know, on the guy points and says, your mother loved you and you're unlovable. We need to love and be patient with the people who are unlovable. Love is Kind. Kind. Are you kind to your neighbor as defined, let's just call them the Samaritans in our life, the people that are different, the people that hate us? Are you kind? Five, 
It is not rude. Love your neighbor. Don't be rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. The Samaritans in our life, right? There's a reason they're there in that outer ring. But love keeps no record of wrongs. Seven, love always protects. Love always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love your neighbor. Be kind. Be patient. Don't be rude. Don't be self-seeking. Don't keep a record of wrongs. Don't be easily angered. Love your neighbor as yourself. Thus saith the word of the Lord. Ushers, if you would come up. Today is our Benevolence Sunday. Father, we, uh, we need help with this. We are not called to like everyone. That's not the point. There will always be affinity groups. Jesus, you hung out with only 12. There were people that you sent away. We are not called to like everyone. But we are called to love our neighbors. Even the ones that we don't like. Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, we need help with this. Man, I need help with this. I ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit that You would fill us with this love. That You would help. That You would put Your finger on the scales. That You would bring Scripture to mind. That You would convict us of sin. That You would give us the courage, the energy, the faith to love even those who are hardest to love. Thank You so much for what You did on the cross for our sins. And Father, as we receive this benevolence offering that goes out to keep the lights on and the heat on and to put gas in people's cars and food in the fridge, Lord, I pray that You would bless this offering as well. In Jesus' name, Amen.
Well, would you stand? I was trying to remember the benediction that Brian always gives, but I can only get about halfway through it, so I'll just pray. How's that? God, thank You so much for showing us how to love. God, as we strive to be a caring community, starting first with those inside our walls and really doing that well, Lord, that we would begin to even carry this outside our walls. And in our individual spheres of influence, God, I do, I pray that You would empower these people to do that. Even when it's hard, even when it's not fun, God, that they would look like You more and more each day and less and less like them. Father, I pray that I would look more and more like You in the way I treat especially my kids, God, please, and less like me. Father, we, uh, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. We love You. Amen.